Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last message that we were in on this, we talked about three things uh, uh, for us to do as the children of God. Again, responsibilities, charges that we have. The first one was this, embrace preaching and prophecy. Uh, We need to embrace preaching and prophecy. Uh, Today, there's no doubt been a lot of damage done, both on the liberal and sinful side and also on the legalistic and sinful side uh, to the pastor position or the preachers uh, today. And so, again, there's been a lot of damage given to to that. Um, So the the respect or the um, uh, adhering to the preaching of God's word, respecting of the preacher uh, of God's word is wanting today. And so this right biblical level of respect to the word of God and to the preaching of the word of God is different. So much so that a lot of people today are looking more for entertainment than they are hearing the Word of God. When I say a lot of people, I'm talking about inside the church. Um, They want to be entertained and not necessarily hear the preaching of God's Word and how that may affect their life. And so uh, it's imperative for us as the people of God to make sure that we are embracing the preaching of God's Word, uh, the truth, uh, every day and every time that we have. Number two is evaluate from a biblical perspective. This is where we're to be set apart as the children of God as well. Because the world looks at things from a carnal perspective. The world looks at things from a fleshly, worldly perspective. They consider the, the thoughts they have, the, the, the decisions they make come from that worldview of carnality. And we as the children of God are supposed to look at things in this world from a biblical perspective, from a biblical worldview. And so when we make decisions, when we think about things and consider things and try to decipher and discern the right things. It should always be from a biblical perspective. Um, and so when we think about, oh, well, well, should I buy this house or should I take this job or should I do this or should I do that? Every child of God, every single one of us should have this biblical perspective that we're evaluating our lives and evaluating decisions from. And so very important for us to be set apart from the world in, in that. Number three was this. We are to eschew every form of evil. And that word eschew means to distance yourself from. Distance yourself from every form of evil. And this boils down to us not saying things like, well, I'm not doing anything really wrong. I know it may look bad, but God knows my heart, and God knows that I'm not doing anything bad. Again, if we can acknowledge that something looks bad, we should distance ourselves from that looking bad. I mean, that, that's what the Bible says, to eschew, to avoid, to abstain from all appearance of evil. It doesn't say all evil, it says all appearance of evil, which includes evil. And so, again, we can't say, you know, God knows my heart. If it looks evil, if it looks wrong, we should distance ourselves from that. Um, Or, I know other people are doing blank, and nothing bad is happening to them. That's not how we should evaluate our life. That's not how we should make decisions. It's not how we to live as the children of God is based off of what other people are doing, not doing, getting away with, not getting away with. We should ourselves, as the children of God, again, distance ourselves from every form of evil. Or the horrible excuse. Well, God will forgive me. 
No way. That, that should not be our view of the blood, the sacrifice, the forgiveness, the love, the grace that's been extended to us. Well, God will forgive me. Everybody's a sinner. No. No, if we see, if we recognize something is evil in our life, we should distance ourselves or appears to be evil. We should distance ourselves from that. So we should live consciously. And we should make, make sure that we're living carefully. Just as Ephesians chapter 5 says, it says, See that you walk circumspectively, that you walk carefully, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And so we have to make sure that we're doing that. So we're going to uh, finish this book out tonight with a, a few more charges and, and encouragements for us in our, in our life. And uh, hopefully it, it will do just that. So let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We thank you for the the grace and the mercy that you do pour out in our lives. And I ask that you would help us now as we enter into your word, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, God, that we would in the middle of this week as maybe as busy and crazy and hectic or overwhelmed or frustrated or stressed or, or, or hurt or wherever we're at, um, Lord, that you would just speak to us now. And God, we would be able to be still enough that we would be able to set all that aside and be ready to receive your word. Lord, I, I know that I'm nobody, I'm nothing. But your word and you are everything. And so I, I just pray that you would use me as a vessel and speak what needs to be spoken. God, that you would preach uh, through me tonight, Lord, that every single one of us, including myself, would receive from you, from the instruction from your Holy Spirit, out of your word. And God, that you would, through this, be glorified, that the church would be strengthened. And God, we would uh, go out of this place tonight uh, closer to you, stronger together, and um, ready to face the rest of this week. And Lord, we'll praise you for what you do. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. Again, right at the end of the, the, the whole book, it says this. Paul's wrapping it up. He says, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. The use of brethren at the beginning of the closing appeal gives a, a very important emphasis to this appeal itself. The fact that he says brethren. He doesn't just continue on in his... Uh, in, in, in the last statements or charges here, he systematically stops and says, believers, beloved, brethren, listen to me. This is important. Pray for us. Paul said this many times before in other letters, and, and uh, he's not ashamed to ask for prayer and ask for the churches to pray for him uh, and his missionary team. But again, this is showing the very importance that Paul saw in prayer, in prayer specifically for those that were leading and doing the work uh, from the front, if you will. This is also in the present tense. And so with it being in the present tense, Paul is basically in, implying that they are already praying for them. And so he wants them to continue praying for them. So this is brothers in the present emphatic tense. Keep praying for us. We need your prayers. Keep praying for us. See, you could take all the talent, you can take all the abilities that somebody has, you can take all the skill, you can take even all the gifts, you can take the opportunities that may be afforded to certain people in the Lord's work. And you can throw them all down the drain if there isn't a support net of prayer. If there's not a group of people, if there's not a network of people praying and supporting those who God is using and, and equipping and empowering, giving those opportunities so you can throw it all down the drain. See, the work... The worker, the pastor, the missionary, the evangelist, the Sunday school teacher, every single one of us 
is hollow and ineffective without the prayer of the saints. Now that goes in accordance with the prayer that we, have, we are to have each one of us in our own lives as well. The pastor, the evangelist, the worker, the teacher, all those. We're all to have that individually, but we, we are hollow without the prayer of others. And so that's why Paul is saying, look, we have to have this. I want to encourage you and challenge you with this tonight. Every single time we meet, like we're meeting tonight, every single time, do you pray for me? You don't have to answer that out loud. But every single time we meet, before we meet, are you praying for me? Every time that we have Sunday school, before we have Sunday school, are you praying for your Sunday school teacher? And if it's not me preaching, are you praying for the preacher who is going to be proclaiming the Word of God? I said, man, I no. Maybe during the service, again, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about when the song leader leads us in prayer and, and prays for the, the, the preacher. And I'm not talking about uh, if Brother Jeffrey in the beginning of the, the service welcoming everybody is praying for the message. and the I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and I personally making an important transaction before the service with us and God. God, be with the speaker. Empower him with your spirit. He's a man, and, and, and maybe he's had things going on today, and maybe there's been distractions right even before service and, and all those things. God, I pray that you would just clear his mind and fill him with your spirit and let him pour out to every single one of us the words that we need to hear tonight. God, speak to me personally where I can grab your word and apply it in my life. Help my heart be ready. Help my mind be ready. Again, it's something that every single one of us should give effort to and give attention to. And it's just as I said, on the flip side of that, of praying for the preacher or the, or the Sunday school teacher or, or the missionary or the evangelist, are you praying for yourself even before a Sunday school class or before a, a message? Are you praying for your heart to be open? Are you praying for your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears to be unclogged from the junk of the world, maybe the sin that's crept into your life? Have you prayed that, that God would, would cleanse out even the spiritual arteries that may be clogged from, from that junk? God, I want to be able to, to come into the assembly of the saints and, and, and your word be like lifeblood flowing through my, my, my whole body, my spiritual person, filling me strengthening me god if there's something that's standing in the way if i'm holding on something if i'm regarding sin in my life and god forgive me wash me clean again every single one of us should enter and approach the word of god i believe in the preaching and the teaching of the word of god just like that see prayer is vital brother ryan and miss kim they can't experience success without the prayers of those that are lifting them up in prayer. Brother Christian and, uh, and Miss Shauna, same thing. Brother JT and Miss Allison, same thing. Brother, Brother Harold and Miss Jeannie, same thing. Me, us as a church, we can't, if we're not 
lifting those up who are, who are those in the front leading, and, and, and God has, has put in places, has entrusted these, these levels of, of leadership. Again, whether it's a Sunday school class or whether it's a, a region in, in, in Asia or whether it's a region in Africa or whether it's a, a, another community in, in Texas or, or whether it's right here, we've got to make sure that we're lifting those up who are proclaiming the Word of God and, and leading in this work in prayer. So point number one is pray for pastor, pray for the leaders, and pray for missionaries continually. Continually. It's easy to think that those who are in leadership positions are spiritual enough that they don't need our prayers. Well, my Sunday school teacher, they're probably praying throughout the week and they're reading and studying and and getting ready to, to teach our Sunday school class. And so you know, I don't even think about praying about them. You should be praying for them all week long. And right before you enter Sunday school class, praying that God would help them keep their focus and, 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 and give their all in, in teaching the Word of God. It should be the same way in, a, in, in a, ser- a service, a message. We should be giving ourselves over. That Paul, the Apostle Paul is asking and charging the brethren in, in Thessalonica. He's saying, brethren, Please listen, this is emphatic, this is important. I know you're praying for us, but I'm charging you to keep on praying for us. This is so important. You remember when the disciples couldn't accomplish a task that seemed to be something they were able to do at the time. They were able to do certain things with the power of, uh, of Christ in them that he had charged them and, and commissioned them with. Uh, they came back, the 70 came back, and they were like, hey man, the, the demons are subject to us. I mean, we've seen the blind. I mean, all these things are happening. But at one point in time, they come back to, to Jesus, and this is what happens in Matthew chapter 17. It says this, verse 19, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. They pulled him aside and said, Look, why couldn't we cast him out? They, were, they had brought someone who was uh, full of a demon to them, and, and they couldn't cast him out. Hey, what happened? I mean, did someone unplug the power? I mean, wh- why couldn't we do this? And we've, been able, we've seen these things, we've done these things, and, and so why can't we do this right now? They pull them apart privately and, and, and are wondering what happened. Why is it not happening right now? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Man, what a slap in the face. Can you imagine if, if, if we were to go to God and say, God, why isn't this happening in my family? Why isn't this happening in, in our church? Why isn't this happening in our Sunday school class? Why isn't this happening in, 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 in this area, in that area? Why isn't this happening in my life? And what if the response from our Lord, our Lord, our Savior, full of grace and mercy and love and compassion says, because you're unbelief. Oh, like a, a gut punch. I thought I was living by faith. I, I, I thought I had the faith to see you do great things. And Jesus pulls that, reigns that thought process or maybe that presumption, or maybe that arrogance in a little bit when he says this. He says, it's truly I say unto you, verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you should say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it would remove. Nothing should be impossible. If you had a faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you, the lacking is there. But then Jesus goes on to explain how you tap into that kind of faith. How you tap, tap, tap into this is prayer and fasting. Remember, fasting is, is us getting real serious with God spiritually, saying, you know what? I don't need the physical needs and wants, the desires of, of my body more than I have these spiritual desires. And so I'm going to deny myself these physical needs and desires for a greater need and desire I have spiritually. 
And Jesus says, you, you want to see things done in an amazing way? You've got to have faith. You've got to, you've got to have strong faith. You've got to have faith. I mean, in, in, in just a little faith would move a mountain. But you're, you're talking about doing these things, and you're trying to do it maybe in your own strength, in your own flesh. You've got to make sure that you're putting in prayer and even fasting. So again, the importance of prayer is, it can't be overemphasized. Again, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I need your prayers. And you've heard me say this before, I need your prayers. I'm asking you and charging you and encouraging you tonight, just as the Apostle Paul said, to do that for me before we ever meet on a Wednesday night, before we ever meet on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening. Do it for, for, for Brother Jeffrey, for Brother Clay. Do it for Brother Mike and Brother Turner. If Brother Harold's in town, do it for Brother Harold. Do it for your Sunday school teacher. Pray and lift up those that are sharing the word of God as well as those that are traveling around and doing works around the world. Lift them up in prayer. Continually. Look on in verse 26. It says, greet all, all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, this is something that my brother, he's not in here. I think he's outside. He loves to embellish on me. But I don't believe his kisses are holy. I hope he's listening out there. Filled the files. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> but the culture in Paul's day was that a kiss on the cheek um, to greet was normal. Um, and, and not only that, in Paul's day, there's certain cultures around the world that that's normal. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. That's, that's how family, that's how friends... Uh, are greeted and received. And so, um, why was this important? At the end of a letter that Paul has talked about with, um, you know, the day of the Lord and, and, and all these other things, and in these Christian responsibilities, it's like the last section of the ending, he's saying, look, this is real important. Pray for us. And greet each other with a holy kiss. <laughs> You're like, uh, okay. You know, I mean, why, why would Paul put this Right at the end of that. Why would he put it at the end of this letter with all these Christian charges and responsibilities? He was telling the believers there to make sure that they maintained this way to communicate personal love and affection for each other. And this form of expression was not a, a, a romantic love. So, again, he was not encouraging uh, that type of expression. It was an encouragement to outwardly express a sincere love for each other in a form that was culturally accepted. And he was saying to do this in a sincere and a holy way. The kiss you saw and see was to be holy, not fleshly. So in our culture today in 2018 in Western America, we realize that holy kisses aren't really how we communicate our love for each other. I mean, some people do. Like my brother. And in families we do. But overall, friends, we don't necessarily express our love for each other like that. In our church, a lot of times, it's a handshake, it's a hug, it's a pat on the back, pat on the shoulder, it's a, it's a loving touch, it's, it's, it's those type of things. It's that outward expression, that sincere, expressing what the heart is toward one another. And so when we do that, when we shake a hand or when we do a, a, a shake and a, and a hug or when we do a, an, an embrace or when we do a, a pat on the back or something like that, it's to be that, 
that sincere expression of our love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. It would be the opposite of what Judas did with Jesus. Paul said to greet each other with a holy kiss, which would be a sincere and a pure kiss. And Judas's was that of insincerity and betrayal. And I pray that that's how we are greeting each other, not like Judas, but as Paul was saying. You know, that we wouldn't sh shake somebody's hand or hug, somebody hug somebody's neck who aren't sincerely loving in doing that. And we don't have odd or a problem with them and that we're just going through some type of motion because that's what we do at church. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying you need to express your love to each other in a sincere, in a right way, because you're family. You, you, you do this in your culture with friends and with family, and you need to make sure and maintain this within the body of Christ because that type of sincere brotherly love is essential in the body. And so that's why at the end of this letter, he's expressing this importance. See, our hearts for each other as a body, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, now I'll say this. I understand not everybody's a handshaker, not everybody's a hugger. I understand all of that. And, and, I, and I feel that when I go to give you a hug. And sometimes, out of the sincerity of my heart, I embellish the moment. If there's a little bit of, you know, guys, like, I'm not a hugger, you know. I will throw my arms around you. Amen. Not out of spite, but I, I sincerely love. And that's an expression uh, of love. <laughs> That's right, not out of spite. <laughs> but here's the truth. Our hearts should be so sincere towards each other, each other that we desire to express that. That, that. That's what we want to do. We want to shake each other's hand. We want to hug each other's neck. We want to express the love that God has put inside of each one of us towards each other in a holy way. And that's what Paul is saying. So as long as we maintain right hearts, true Christian love, and true Christian unity, and true expression of that can prevail, as long as we keep right hearts. And so point number two is this, platonic outward expressing of brotherly love is necessary. Platonic means that it's not romantic or, or, or fleshy like that, it's um, friendly. Now, on the flip side, you may be saying, no one ever hugs me, and no one ever shakes my hand. I would say, or ask this to you, do you ever shake anybody's hand or hug anybody's neck? Some people get all feathers ruffled because nobody's doing anything to them, but they're not doing that themselves. The Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. We've got to make sure that we're doing what God has told us to do in our relationships with each other. And Paul didn't limit this. He didn't limit this to a, a couple of people. Hey, y'all you know, need to make sure and do this. It was, a, it was a broad coverage. You as believers need to do this. Every single one of you need to make sure that you express your love as brothers and sisters in a right way and you don't give up on that. That you don't stop doing that. You need to continue doing that. And that is substantiated, the fact that it's for everybody, in the next verse. Look at verse 27. I charge you by the Lord 
that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. To all the holy brethren. To everybody that's in Christ, everybody needs to hear this. This charge right there in, in, in verse 27, the beginning, means that he, he was saying this. I'm putting you under oath from Jesus Christ. That's what that means. I'm putting you under oath to do this from Jesus Christ. So to not adhere to this, this charge of making sure everybody hears this and everybody follows this would mean that they would be disobedient and therefore face the correction of that disobedience as the leaders of this church here. See, this letter was inspired by God and it was for everyone to hear. And so Paul was making sure that you just don't read this among yourselves and say, okay, well, we've got what we're supposed to get. No, this is for everybody. Yes, it was wrote to the Thessalonian believers. But Paul, at the end of this, makes sure everybody hears this. Every believer hears this. Very important, as it is still today. And this brings up number three tonight, and that's this. Prayerfully attend to every word of God at every opportunity. So while some people would say, well, that was just for the Thessalonian believers, Paul made it very clear that everybody needed to hear this because every word of God, according to, Timothy, according to Paul written to Timothy, is God-breathed, is inspired by God, and is, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. It's, it's good for everybody to hear every word of God. And so every time that we have the opportunity, we need to prayerfully attend. We need to give our attention to the Word of God. Why? Because again, every scripture is important for everyone. There's not a point in my life that I ever want to get to where I feel like, I've got it mastered. I don't need to hear the Word of God. I don't need to read the Word of God. Never. Anybody who gets up in this pulpit and preaches, I'm excited to listen to. I, 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 don't, I don't care how long they've been pastoring or preaching or, or, or anything like that. I, I just want to hear the Word of God, it's, and, and I, ne I never want to lose that. And so I like to have my, my iPad out and take notes and, and, and write it down. I, I want to be engaged in the Word of God. I don't want to miss something. I say, yeah, what if you've heard something a thousand times? Then maybe I need to hear it a thousand and one times. God evidently put it on someone's heart to preach and to say at this moment, at this point in time in my life, and so I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a word. I don't want to miss a, a message that God may have for me. It's also important to remember that that time you miss, at that time that you don't read or that time that you're not listening, could be the time that God had something especially for you. And so I, I've said it all the time, and I still believe it. One of the reasons why people lose the, imp the importance of gathering together as believers is, become, is because they become self-centered and focused on self. They begin thinking, it's not a big deal if I miss this time that the body's gathered. It's not a big deal that I. It becomes about I. When Scripture is clear that it's not about I, it's about us. It's about us. And so when, when, when we get that mindset that, well, I, I don't, it's not that big deal that I don't do this. Or again, if, in, in, our, in our daily uh, devotion with the Lord, uh, I, I just, no. No. If we have the right perspective towards receiving the Word of God, 
we don't want to miss a thing. We don't want to miss a day. We don't want to miss a service. We don't want to miss a, a Sunday school lesson. We don't want to miss anything. Why? Because we realize that God has a bigger picture than just us, but it also includes us. And that moment we miss may be that exact time that God says, I had this for you. I so, said, well, I don't know that I need anything. Well, maybe not know, know that we need anything, but it also may be not just for us, but for us, for someone else. So I, I've never thought of it like that. Again, it's not always about us. Maybe you also say, well, God would just give it to me another time. If he really wanted me to have something, if I was supposed to get it in my daily devotion or I was supposed to get it in a message, if God was really trying to get something across to me in my life, he would just give it to me another time. Who said that? Yeah, you made it up yourself. <laughs> How would it feel if the most important person in your life outside of God had tried to reach you? And you miss them. Or, or, or let's, let's put it more in carnal terms. The most exciting thing that you had ordered online or you had, you had bought and, and you were expecting it to deliver and you weren't there to get it. You missed it. How would that make you feel? Well, I know what I've done at times. I'm calling them. And saying, can I come pick it up? I missed you. Can I come get this? Or you see that, that no, I've been here at the church before, like just me. Uh, the school's been out on, on vacation and stuff and um, had something delivered here for the church. You know, important. Maybe we needed, I can't remember, I think we needed it the next Sunday. And so I'm up here. It was like Thanksgiving week or something. and uh, Not this year. This has been a couple years ago. And um, it was important. I needed that delivery for this coming Sunday or whatever. And I'm watching the cameras. I'm watching UPS as I'm working. I'm just refreshing every now and then and just doing things and refresh and, and all that kind of stuff. And the next thing that I see is an alert on the UPS website that they attempted to deliver, but no one was here. But the, what they don't realize is I was watching those cameras and watching that UPS truck drop right by our church. Didn't even stop. I was like, oh. <laughs> I got on the phone, and I was like, oh, man, calling. That guy went flying. There was another time that this, this happened, and I think it was um, not 2017, but 2016, or the end of 2015, and we were getting the I Am a, a, a Church Member books in, and UPS was delivering them, and we needed them for the, the, the next Sunday. And I was here, same situation, I think it was Christmas break, and UPS, same thing, drives by, doesn't stop, says, you know, business is closed, no delivery, but this time it was on. I didn't even call UPS, I grabbed my keys, I jumped in the truck, and I chased them down. <laughs> as soon as I pulled up to them, they were like, oh, we didn't realize anybody was there. I said, anytime you see a white truck there, please stop. But we, we, 
we have these things to where when something's delivered to us, even, you know, in the flesh or temporal or, or, or something tangible, like, we want it. We don't want to miss it. We don't, you don't want somebody to pass us by. We don't want the UPS to drive by our house and us miss it. It's a, an important delivery. But again, we've got to think of God's Word delivered, whether it's in a personal private devotion or whether it's in a message corporately or Sunday school lesson. We've got to view it like God's delivering something to us. And I don't want to miss it. I want to be home. I want to be present. I want to receive the message, the package that God has for me. And I pray that we wouldn't be more disappointed to miss the UPS truck or to miss the delivery or, or to miss something that we ordered tangibly. That, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't affect us more than we miss when God's delivering something to us. I pray that we wouldn't put more weight into something temporal than we would the Word of God. Again, I know there's times that people are sick, people are out of town, um, emergencies come up, they, they keep us, even when we're sick, laying in bed with a flu, we can't even keep our eyes open, we just want to sleep. You know, we can't always read the Word of God in that state either. We're just sleeping and resting and getting well. I'm not talking about any of those times. But I believe if we have the right view of Scripture, that it's God's revealed written Word to us, for us, Important for us to daily ingest as well as corporately be reminded. I believe if we have that viewpoint, then we won't want to miss any opportunity. Even as Paul and Peter would tell their readers, even if it was just to remind them of things they already knew. That's what Peter said. He said, I'm not going to be negligent to stir you up in remembrance of these things. As long as I'm in this body, I'm going to re remind you of these things. That's what he said. Paul said the same thing. It's not a trouble for me to remind you of these things, to keep you in remembrance of these things. And then the sign-off Paul says is this in verse 28, and we're going to close. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Paul, again, was very clear in, in what he was standing on, what he uh, was living in, how he operated, and it was in the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul made that clear at the beginning of his epistles. He made that clear in many of the end of his epistles. And he also wished that upon the readers of the epistles themselves. See, his desire was that the church would experience the fullness of the blessings that came along with God's grace. That's what he was desiring them. So whether it was a correction, whether it was a challenge, whether it was something that convicted them, whether it was, whatever it was, Paul's desire is that they would be abiding in God's grace and experience all of, all of the blessings that flowed from abiding in God's grace. But their abiding and their obedience to the word of God would be the only thing that would afford them that experience. And the same thing it is for us. When, when we abide and we obey the word of God, that's what affords us the experiencing and the fullness of the blessings of, uh, of being in God's grace. And that's what my desire is for you. That's what my not desire is for Trinity Baptist Temple, is that we would experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That it's because we hear his word and, and obey his word and abide there uh, that we experience the fullness of his grace and, and the blessings thereof. So tonight I, I pray that these three are an encouragement to you and a strength to you. Um, you know, maybe a challenge to you. Maybe 
when I was talking about praying uh, for me, praying for your Sunday school teacher, praying for our missionaries, praying for evangelists, that you, maybe you were convicted a little bit. Um, I know I was convicted because there have been times that I've raced into a, a class or raced into a, a, a service uh, and not prayed for the speaker or, or not, not done that. And maybe that's you tonight. So you know what? I've never done that. I've always just been in agreement with whoever was praying before service for the speaker, but I've, I've never made it a personal responsibility of my own to pray for you, Brother Kyle, or to pray for Brother Jeffrey or Brother Clay or whoever. I've not done that. And if that's you, I want to encourage you. Maybe tonight you talk to the Lord and say, God, help me be more of a prayer warrior for our teachers and our preachers. Help me lift them up regularly, every time. And not only that, help me, God, to remember, because things get crazy in the middle of the week. We, we rush in here. It's freezing outside us. It's, it's hot outside. People start talking to us. It's easy to, to, to forget to even pray ourselves. God, help me receive your word tonight the way you want me to receive it. Help me take from, from it, apply whatever, share with whoever. Help me, help me get what you want tonight. I don't want to miss it. And so whatever it is that the Lord has um, impressed on your heart or encouraged you with, strengthened, um, convicted, uh, I want to encourage you uh, as I pray to respond. You can pray in your seat or you can come down to the altar. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you again for this message. And as we wrapped up this letter here tonight, uh, we're thankful for it. We're thankful that it's been preserved for us. Um, Lord, something that was written uh, to address many things in a specific church and in a specific group of believers uh, 2,000 years ago. Again, so important and so applicable to our lives uh, today. And I, I pray that we took it as such. And tonight, as we saw these last three uh, points, that we'll take these and apply them in our lives as well, that we'll not forget the importance to pray. Uh, Lord, that we won't forget the importance of attending to your word at every opportunity we can. Lord, that, that we'll have the right heart and that we'll express our right love towards each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, that we won't neglect that, that expression, um, that we won't get cold towards each other, but we'll keep that uh, brotherly love stirred up as you've commanded us in your word. Um, Lord, just move tonight in, in this invitation. Help us respond rightly to this. And again, we thank you for the opportunity, um, and we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.